I have a group of women that I work with who are all solopreneurs and all living on their own right now. And they started a, um, like a, it's kind of like a meal share. Like they each bulk make something yummy once a week. And then they like, one of them picks it up from the porches and like drops it off at the porches. And so, and then that's turned into like, there's wine in there. There's been bath bombs in there now. <laughs> like, um, so it's a way of like, you know, creating a collective and having a community, something you're belonging to, something you're, you know, you've got some contribution, right? Um, that, that it doesn't have to be in person. It may not be ideal, right? Like we would all, I think, prefer to have some in-person contact. But if we have to take it down one notch, let's figure out all the fun ways we can do this stuff, right? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Lady Business Podcast Season 3. My name is Dina Nina Martinez, and I'm the founder of Lady Laughs Comedy. And my name is Heather Wendler, and I am the founder of Doyen. And if you're new to the Lady Business Podcast, we talk to women entrepreneurs and women who are badass in business. Season three of the Lady Business Podcast is recorded in quarantine via Zoom. So some of the quality may be a little bit different than what you expect of our podcast. But hey, desperate times call for Zoom. You can always find us on the internet at ladybusinesspod.com. On Facebook and Instagram at Lady Business Pod. And always when you're sharing, liking, and subscribing, make sure that you use the hashtag Lady Business Pod. Do you think we're a little repetitious? <laughs> How many touch points? Seven touch points. We're good. We're good. Okay, good. <laughs> also, please comment, review, and also share the Lady Business Podcast. Subscribe to the Lady Business Podcast wherever you get your podcast from, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and TuneIn. On this episode of the Lady Business Podcast, we're going to be talking to Gina Sinarigi of Gina Sinarigi Coaching. Okay, first of all, I love Gina so much. Yes. I can't express how much I love her as a person. I mean, even in this interview you get a feeling of how she works with her with her clients and makes them feel like no matter what it's okay uh you are a person you are someone who deserves respect and um not just from yourself but from everybody in your world around you and she brings a different lived perspective than what you traditionally think of from um your counselor or therapy professionals. I love that she approaches relationships, not only from a romantic partnered kind of relationship, but she has really great insight on all relationship. Seeing her approach to that was really inspiring to me. And it makes me want to work on those relationships better and more. I think totally that you can see and you can see how just with minor tweaks, even if you're in a romantic relationship or a business partner relationship, that communication mindset um, and still how do you value and honor each other when this is someone I have to show up from nine to five or seven to nine some days is exactly the same. You can do those same things and make small tweaks to this is how I show love and appreciation to my life partner as well. 
So now let's get into the podcast. All right. So today our guest is um, a relationship coach, and she is also the co-host of a podcast called Swoon. Uh, please welcome Gina Sinarigi. Yeah. Hi. I'm glad you got here. So I'm so excited to have you. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, I met you only a month or so ago, mm-hmm. and I just liked your vibe so much. And also you're a part of the Doyen family. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in how, especially as a relationship coach, how you're dealing with uh, the pandemic and how your clients are dealing and challenges that you may not have expected during this time. Yeah, totally. Uh, Well, I mean, how, hmm, which one should I start with, right? Like my clients are doing, I work with a couple different kinds of clients and based on what they're working on, they're in really different places. So I have a fair number of folks. I have a handful of folks that I work with who are entrepreneurs and co-founders. They're like, you know, uh, couples who started businesses together or started them simultaneously, or you know how entrepreneurs like their whole lives, it's like your business becomes like another partner or another marriage. Um, and so for those folks, a lot of our work has been like figuring out sustainability to get through this time, right? Like many of them were just about to launch something or have recently launched something. Um, and so they were already facing, you know, all the demons of like starting something new, right? Like scarcity and like uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome, all that stuff. And then now this like big uncertainty dropped in their lap. Um, or they were like, you know, they were really taking a risk and being vulnerable, putting something new out there and, um, had this totally unexpected thing not happened. Uh, you know, it was, it was headed in a course and we had to really reroute a lot of big plans for some of their launches and some of their years, which is not unlike most people. Right. Um, and we, nobody knows how long this is going to last or what the, what, you know, kind of what the outcome is. So it's really hard. Um, one of my clients keeps use, keeps talking about it as disorienting, which is such a perfect word, right? Like we all had goals. We were oriented towards this goal on this path. And now our orientation, like our end goal is like, psh, who know, I don't quite know. Right. And so we have to like reorient our whole system. Um, so that's for them, but that's, you know, a lot of my clients are in that, uh, are in that boat, even if we're not working on their entrepreneurial stuff. Like that's so much what all of us are going through it. And that's the hardest part of all of this is not Mm -hmm. having a, when does the next stage hit? Yeah. To really be able to, even people who say I'm not a planner or I don't, I just kind of live in the moment. I think this is still really hard for, for them to of not knowing what comes next. Yeah. Well, and like shared vision is a big part of what creates belonging and community and relationship, right? So like whether it's co-founder, whether it's marriage, whether it's dating or whether it's like, you know, Doyen or whether it's like an organization or a business uh, or a whole country or world, having some sense of like, this is generally what six months from now is going to look like. This is generally what a year from now is going to look like gives us gives us something to like organize around or create together. Like it creates meaning and we get a lot of belonging out of that, right? Like these are our benchmarks of when we'll touch base or what's going to, what we're going to celebrate or challenges we can anticipate. And even those things are like 
we don't know. Will we have a graduation ceremony? Will we start the school year on time? Will we do that 4th of July thing we've done every year? Like, maybe, hopefully, <laughs> you know? Um, but there's so much uncertainty that that's, that's really big for folks in business. Um, but it's also really big at home, right? Like, um, our home lives are disrupted and we're not sure what to tell our kids or how to support our parents or, um, how to, like, we have to reconfigure how we keep in touch with all our friends and supporters. So I would say like, I feel like all of my clients are like swimming in a sea of uncertainty. And so much of our work is just how do we navigate uncertainty right now and like stay well enough to sit in all this um, wild stuff that's coming up for folks. I will say this other, can I tell you one more set of folks? I do a lot of work in something called discernment counseling, which is actually like end of relationship. Folks are thinking about maybe we should split up or they're splitting up and they want to do it compassionately or with kindness and what we're seeing from some of the countries that have um, come back out of practicing social distancing is there's an increase in divorce um, conversations that are happening. And so it's messed up to say it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like good for business. I don't want to say like it's like, but when you support people's mental health and everybody's stressed out or when you're supporting people who might be looking at divorce and we're looking at a time that's so highly pressured for relationships. Um, I'm pretty busy with, with that set of folks. Um, you know, many of my clients were just talking about or had just decided, yeah, we're going to split up. And now they're in a home, a small 800 foot, you know, New York studio apartment for the next, for the last six weeks and probably the next six weeks. Um, that's a level of intensity, not, you know, <laughs> You're both shaking your heads like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I, along with, um, you know, couples trying to navigate, we got to just either deal with each other. Or how do we get through this together? Because it is a lot more like I never spend this much time with my husband. And now when we sit down for dinner, I'm like, I don't really have anything to talk to you about. Yeah. So I'm just going to we're, we're finding that we're banking on either social media or he loves Reddit. So um, we're sharing what we're each looking at on our screen. But we're also not parents, which is a whole nother level of you're not used to spending this much time with your child. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you seen how that's kind of been affecting? And I, you know, I read the Facebook posts from my friends who are parents and I'll be completely honest. Sometimes I'm like, if your kids saw your post, how would they feel about that? <laughs> um, but, you know, just what's your perspective on that, too? Uh I mean, well, I think a couple of things, none of us are getting alone time if we are living with anybody else, really. Like, for the most part, we're not getting alone time. And we're not used to, you know, like, one of the things I see with folks when in a typical life, when most of us are working outside of our homes, and our kids are in childcare, or our kids are going to school or whatever, even then, I, a lot of the folks I work with don't have great boundaries or communication about how... Um, like when they're on for each other and when they're not on for each other. Right. And so I see a lot of folks have these miscommunications in a typical world where it's like, you know, you just need to zone out for a while. Let's say after you come home from work, but I'm like so excited to see you, I want to talk and you know, we'll have like, we'll get a little snippy with each other about that. Right. Or um, you, you're, 
you're trying to get my attention and I'm like focused on something else. Right. And then we get into some little quarrels about all that kind of stuff. Right. And now we amplify that to we're in the same building 24 hours a day, six plus weeks on end. There's so many opportunities to like not fully get it. Like, Hey, do you, when do you want my attention? And when can I just zone out? Cause it's okay. And actually right now in particular, while we're all a little, buzzy with anxiety, we need to be able to just numb out or scroll through Facebook or Netflix or whatever our kind of zone out thing is. So, you know, for a lot of folks have been talking about just normalizing the fact you do need time alone. You need time away from each other. So get out on the patio or in the backyard or take the dog for a walk or whatever. And, um, that's okay. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your relationship or your partner, right? Like doesn't mean you don't love each other or your roommate. Like, you just are a human who needs time by yourself. Um, and then the same thing with kids. Like, they actually need some time by themselves. And it's okay to structure that with, like, give them a little timer or give them, like, a they should go do something else, right? Um, or you could divide up your family into little dyads of, like, I'm going to spend time one-on-one with this kid and you go with this kid or you get time by yourself, Well, you know, so that everybody's kind of mixing it up in different ways. But if you structure it a little bit that way, um, it normalizes it. So everybody can kind of expect like, this is part of our routine now. Um, cause we've all had to come up with other routines. And then I think that's the other thing is we don't always talk about our routines and roles, right? We usually fall into habits in relationship without ever talking about like, you know, why you're the one who does the dishes and I'm the one who makes decisions about, I don't know, car repair and you're, and not just like around gender stuff, but like, you know, um, we often like just default into how we do stuff without ever thinking about it or talking about it. And then I see folks who are like, why have I been doing this thing that makes me resentful for 25 years? (laughs) You know, we've never talked about it, but all this resentment has built. Um, and so anyway, getting clear about some of that, like, why are we doing this the way we're doing it? Does it really work for you and me? Um, there's something outside of a pandemic we need inside of a pandemic um we need it like 10 times more i think yeah. right i think the For other sure. part is, the other part is also so one thing my husband my husband and i have been together so well we've only been married for seven years we've been together for 18 i think years now but it, it is a huge relationship shift having to go through this with him and also being able when i flare up i love to cook dinner last night the big flare up was i'm sick of fucking cooking dinner can you just do it once yeah and being able and he was like whoa where is this coming from and trying to break down what's the actual Mm -hmm. why why I'm pissed off going on here and that's something that like we've spent years (laughs) getting to that point and sometimes I'm still like I'm just pissed at this thing stop trying to break it down Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know, I think it'll be interesting because while we're seeing it's pulling people apart, it also is bringing us together in different ways mm-hmm. too and exploring different things within our relationships to grow them and build them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you say that flare up part and I think like, you know, you had, you'd asked originally like, how am I doing and how is, how are my clients doing sort of, or how's the business, right? I can talk about the business. I know that's like maybe why we're here, but um, we talk about that at some point, but <laughs> the, um, you know, those flare ups are real and I have them, I have them too. And I think, um, that most folks are extra tender or extra edgy right now, especially like I've noticed in 
my sessions and, you know, online communities and stuff, folks talking about this, like five to six weeks in, there's like a something that's happening where this is starting to feel normal on one hand and people are pretty agitated <laughs> on the other hand. And so the thing that like, why won't why haven't you cooked dinner in a while? Right? Like it's like that plus, I am, I haven't left the house and I'm wondering about this thing and I miss something normal. I just miss like something familiar, right? Which seems, it's such a like mind bend to be like, why am I missing familiarity when I'm living in my own home all the time? But we, we miss that, like our normal stuff. So everybody's a little edgy. And I think that's part yeah. of what, you know, I see that in my, my own life too. This isn't just my clients. I'm still a human. I, so one of the things that I find, I moved in with my best friend through for this, this um, uh, stay at home, you know, thing. And the great thing about it is that we've lived together before, but I live with her, her husband and her father. And luckily I have the space away and I am, because I'm such a, a public person, my downtime when I'm a when I'm, I'm a hermit, when I get to the house, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll talk to you, but then I want to go into my room. And, and so communicating those things and being like, like trying to be like, Hey, just know that it's not that I don't want to hang out with you. It's just that I need that space is more important now than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially in a situation that I'm thrown into in a good way. Like, like I have, I'm respect doing the best to respect her and her husband's privacy, as well as do my part of the dishes, try to help out with things. And it's a really interesting time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, like you said that part about like, you have to be extra clear in your communication about like boundaries and what you need and all of that. And hopefully you're in a relationship where people like you're this best friend, you've known each other forever that's hopefully somebody you can like say something like that to and they, it, they don't take it personally. Right. That's not that you, <laughs> that's not the case for a lot of people. And, um, you know, for a lot of folks, there's like weird kind of reactivity coming up because we're living in this chronic state of anxiety, stress or, or trauma, people's trauma is activated, people's attachments activated. And so when I say that, like, um, that usually means there's like this kind of like internal, um, like force almost within us. That's like drawing us to either be very close to people or very far away. Usually like I want you right here. I don't know why I've had people say like, I don't know why I just want to be right next to my husband all the time. Or I don't know why I cannot stand to look anybody in the eye right now. Right. Like, you know, like just these like, and for a lot of people, it's like, uh, they'll feel like they're on a pendulum of like swinging from one end to the other of like, I want told me, don't ever let me go. I have to leave this house or I'm going to burn it down, (laughs) you know, like from one end to the other. And that's like part of all that activation that's coming up. Like I'm just mentioning that because that's normal for a lot of folks. Um, Doesn't mean you should burn your house down and it doesn't mean you should like glue yourself to your partner. Right. But like, it's normal. We don't talk about like people will say even, Oh, people's trauma is activated or this is traumatic. But like, that's some of what that means. It's really hard to stay in a tiny little building. Uh, when either of you or all four of you, like you said, there's four adults in this house, we're all kind of ping-ponging through our different reactions at different states, you know? <laughs> it's a lot for one little house to hold for any of our little or big houses even. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about your business, um, what have you seen within the past month, month and a half, 
within uh, what's, what's going on with you. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad I moved. I moved my business all on almost all online um, because I was pregnant last year and it was, and we moved across the country. We just moved here a year ago. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think like that, I'm really glad I made that transition and had lots of practice with working online and know like how to structure my life and my work and ways that other folks are just figuring out right now. Um, I'm, I miss, I've led a lot of retreats and workshops. A large part of my like entrepreneurial coaching is really doing intensives and workshop, like retreat weekends uh, with some of my entrepreneurs. And, uh, we can't really do that right now. So, um, cause people either would travel to see me or we'd go stay somewhere. Like it just doesn't work. Um, and that I've honestly just kind of set aside right now. And I'm continuing on with previous clients online and over the phone. Um, but I'm not taking anybody new right now for that simply because that like deep dive immersion experience is a really important part of the work that I do with people. So I'm sad. I'm actually like sad about that. Um, partially cause I had just started to ramp that up in this new place too, you know, but, um, it's good work. It, that'll come back. And in the meantime, there's plenty of stuff going on with either like past clients of mine or people who are brand new, but are like, you know, that couples therapy we've been thinking about doing, or, you know, that sex counseling we've maybe needed to do before. Suddenly it feels more intense. I don't know why. Um, so there's definitely a lot of people, um, who are doing like online work with me right now. And that it's nice, um, for me, you know, I think about like within my own partnership, I get to talk to people all day long in my work and I have these really deep conversations and I'll, you know, at the start of this, I would have like four to six deep conversations about what does it mean to be, you know, trapped at home and whatever. And then I would go, you know, have dinner with my partner and he hadn't talked to anybody about that kind of stuff all day. He's talking marketing and design work and, you know, his fine art business. Um, and so, you know, our, like what we both needed to process about what was going on is totally like, I was like ready to not process. And he needed somebody, especially his number one to talk about that stuff with. So that's one thing that I see. Um, it's been a real challenge. I have two very small children. I have a, um, nine month old and I have a three and a half year old and, um, Luckily, I'm going to like knock on some wood. Luckily for us, our nine month old has always slept really well. She sleeps like so reliably on naps. I'm like, we are hashtag blessed on that one. But the, um, the three and a half year old is like at the prime high activity level of toddlerhood and really wants a lot of attention. And this stuff is also weird. Like, why isn't he going to school? Why can't we see grandma and grandpa? Why can't I go to the playground? Uh, and so that's cause he wants to interrupt our work a lot and we're both trying to work from home. So, um, I think fortunately, um, I, I do all this work usually with pretty progressive, um, relationships where people are striving for a pretty egalitarian model of how they manage their home. And we've done a lot of that. Um, so it's helping. It's helped me a lot. Like when we think about like women in business, so many women with children in particular, but women in households um, take on so much more home responsibility that we're like, you know, working exponentially. Right. 
And um, there's never been a question in our partnership. Like he does half of the overnights with the baby and I do half of the overnight because we are both parents um, or like, you know, he does half of the feedings that I do have, you know, I do half of the hours of the day. He does half of the hour, like half, half and half. He's a Libra too, which makes it like even Steven very important to him. But anyway, now I'm like rambling. Am I even no, answering your fine. question about you're my fine. business? You're doing great. <laughs> so I, I guess my next question, cause um, as a coach in a variety of different ways, how do you turn it off at the end of the day? Or how do you, not internalize what people are going through and have that go with you as you try to end your, like, as you try to try to sundown your day as well. Yeah. I mean, I came to coaching through therapy and so I was, and I worked in some very intense, um, therapy land. I worked, I specialized in a particular diagnosis. That's all about people who have trouble, um, respecting and maintaining boundaries. <laughs> so, um, so I had to be really good about my own boundaries and learn how to practice that. And I've kept a fair amount of that with me from like how I organize my contracts and how I like set up kind of coaching packages and agreements with people. Um, you know, be, boundary work is so important in relationships in general and whether it's the entrepreneurs or, or to the other end of the spectrum of like the folks who are breaking up, so much of our conversation is about like, what are your agreements? What are your roles? What are your expectations? Right. Um, anyway, so like all of that to say, um, I've had to get really clear about my boundaries and I have a couple of practices, um, from like pretty woo stuff that I do to like close out my office to like pretty standard. Um, but like I get dressed for work and I undress <laughs> when I go home, you know, like even though I work from home, like that practice has been important to me. Um, my kid helps me with one cause he, uh, at three is like, are you at work? I don't understand. So, um, he comes and he says goodbye to me at the door and he shuts my door for me and he turns on my white noisemaker outside. That's his special job. Um, but that's like a ritual of coming to work and leaving work. Right. Like, um, and it also helps my family know, like, am I at work or am I home? What's going on? Um, and then as far as like taking on people's stuff, I, um, have been taking a lot more walks. <laughs> I take a lot more walks around the neighborhood, um, and between sessions I do. When I mention the kind of like woo stuff, I will, um, I'll like light some sage or some incense sometimes, especially when I'm really, um, worried about somebody. And I notice that worry coming up. Um, it's a way for me, like visually, okay, this is where it gets extra woo, but I like envision, you know, that smoke, like taking my care. Cause my worry is care. I'm concerned. And I love these people, right? Like taking my cares over to them. Cause you know, my worrying about them isn't actually serving them at all. Right. But I can like send like well wishes and all the hopes and dreams I have for them. I can like send that off and it's wishes. Right. Um, and the smoke kind of gives it a visual effect for me to meditate on. So that's one way. And then the other thing that's just started and, um, I, we've been getting really into it. Thank goodness. I have a toddler who has terrible toddler taste in music. Um, we're talking like hamster dance. We're talking, um, what's that? Like, I like to move it from Madagascar was the one this morning. Um, oh, and he loves Mungo Jerry in the summertime. Anyway, um, we have pretty hardcore dance parties, um, at our house, usually in the morning. Um, but 
you know, one of the things that we, that we don't talk about very much in coaching, like, you know, we think about like straight laced executive coaching is, isn't, you know, supposed to be woo or something like that, or isn't supposed to be about trauma work, but it is. Um, people store trauma in their body, like in their fascia, in the tissues of our bodies. There's plenty of good research telling us that. And so you really do have to like move your body. It doesn't have to be, I'm training for a marathon. It doesn't have to be six Zumba classes or yoga in particular, but like, you got to shake it out. And I, the dance parties with the kid, or if he's not up, like at the end of my day and I have a really intense session, I like literally like shake it out and do a little dance party by myself. It's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like, it's, it is finding those moves to find those things. And I think the other part that you really touched on is that trauma or as I, I always say, when I sit down and work with my team or I'm working with entrepreneurs, I'm like, we all bring PTSD from our prior experiences. Yeah. Whether you recognize it as trauma or just like, it all comes with you. And part of it is you have to let that go on some level, like carry it with you. It's always going to be with you. But at some level, you got to let it go and realize that the experience you're in right now is not mm-hmm. that former experience. And you have to internalize that yourself before you can be able to move forward with whoever you're trying to work with now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, the, the master's in counseling program that I went into that I went through was, was wonderful because half of our program were um, organizational development folks and half of us did systems counseling. And we did the first two years together. And then the third year we like did our practice stuff separately. But so a lot, it just proved to me how much of the theory of like family stuff is the same as group stuff at work, right? And our often our issues with a authoritarian boss are not that unlike an authoritarian parent or, uh, you know, a, a gossiping sibling and a gossiping coworker or what, like there often is a lot of overlap. Um, and even if not within our family of origin is what we call it in the counseling world, we'll always ask questions about like family of origin. In the workplace, we talk about, you know, like culture of origin or career of origin, right? And that career track, like we pick up, we pick up stuff along the way. And some of it's trauma and some, like um, that lodges itself in, you know, ways that can bring on anxiety. And some of it's also celebration and strength and like, learning about like what I'm really good at and what I'm excited about and what I like. Um, but like all of that past history informs what we're doing now. Hmm. When I talk about it as trauma, I, some people are like, Oh, it can't, I don't have trauma cause I didn't serve uh, in the military and I haven't survived sexual assault. And like that, that's certainly traumatic, but there's so many other forms of yeah. trauma. It's hard to be a human and not have experienced some trauma. Yeah. 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 I mean, definitely going, I mean, I'm like, I don't, I think part of it is also like, I don't have anything to complain about. I'm like, I grew up in a very middle income home. Both my parents work. We were a nuclear family. We owned our own home. Like two, like I, I had the 1950s (laughs) idea of a home life growing up, but I'm still like, there was a lot of emotional trauma that happened. Um, There was, there like, and there's things coming out now within the family that I'm like, oh, I can see it triggering things yeah. that probably happened to my dad when he was a child yeah. and he never dealt with it. And so it's yeah. manifesting in different ways that we're trying to work through as a family now. And it, it's just like these, yeah, repress, 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 or just where, or where it could just be more like, we can just identify, like I was having a conversation with one of our team members a couple of weeks ago and she was 
for me, it felt like she kept talking over the top of me. And I'm like, I'm going into this mode of you're like my dad right now, where he had, he would get big and loud and need to be heard. And it was just a dominance thing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was like, we need to pause because this is not how I want to continue this conversation. And it's yeah. not going to get pretty. Cause I'm going to go there too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we need to bring it back down. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that like tendency that we all, I, I think almost everyone has to like minimize our own pain and suffering. And, um, I worked with, um, a person named Brene Brown. She's gotten kind of famous through some Ted talks, but she, um, in our trainings would talk about how we get into this like comparative suffering mindset and we'll say like, oh, my pain doesn't really matter because you have more or that person has more, or I think that's more valid than my own pain. Right. And, um, certainly there are people in this world who are carrying more pain and drama than others, right? Like, absolutely. And there are people in this world where like the world is set up in such a way it's going to keep traumatizing certain people, right? Like, and that doesn't mean that there's not pain elsewhere, right? Like she described it as like, we all get a bucket of pain. Some people's buckets are more full and are continually being filled because of the systems of oppression and all that stuff. Some other people's are full, like, or are half full or, you know, but it's still pain. It's still pain in the bucket. Like, um, it's still valid, right? Like what you've been through. Um, and I think like that, um, that is like the opening then to having more self-compassion and more compassion for other people of like, is your, their pain is still valid. Um, yeah. And, and we get in this, especially people that are, in uh, social justice work, we get in this habit of like, oh, you're just white, cis, straight. Mm -hmm. They're like invalidating that pain, but the truth about it is whether it's a cis, white, straight experience or a transgender experience, there's still pain and it all affects us. And to be able to cope and to bridge those gaps, we have to acknowledge that everybody's pain, no matter how privileged or lack of privilege it is, um, is important. And it's important for us to talk about those things. And I I, I find, especially in DEI work, that there is a tendency to uh, diminish the pain of the dominant um, culture. Mm -hmm. And, And that's something that's really interesting to me. Well, and I think uh, sometimes when we talk about it this way too, uh, I hear, I can like almost hear some of my friends in my head saying like, but don't center the privileged person, right? Like they get centered all the time. And um, that doesn't mean we have to center it, right? Like you're saying, like we can um, empathize with it, give it space or like, you know, we can contain it in certain ways and also or we can honor it, right? And know like that is real and we're not necessarily going to center it. We're not going to continue to build our entire society around it. Right. Like, right. Yeah. And then we start to pit uh, each other against each other so much easily. And, and it's, it becomes like nitpicky of how am I going to compare myself to you? And here's what's in my, I have bucket and your have not bucket. And here's how I rate each other, how we rate each other. Yeah. And then also acknowledging that this is a very privileged conversation we're having, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't invalidate it, but it definitely is. It comes from a place of privilege. And yeah, um, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, you know, like whether when we talk about it, like on that global level, then you can bring it down to co-founders, right. Who are like, who are like my stress of figuring out our taxes in this new messed up system 
even though I have more time until July, it's like, I got all this stuff. I got to apply for blah, 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 blah. And the other partner can be like, yeah, but I don't even know how I'm going to do marketing right now. And how am I supposed to, I was supposed to onboard, blah, blah, blah. Right. We can get into this com competition of who's got it harder instead of being like, we are both totally overwhelmed. This is so, we're doing something totally new all the time. This is scary. This is risky. All of that can be valid at the same time. It doesn't matter who's got it hard, right? Like we both do. Yeah. So let's talk about, especially those who are stuck in a home by themselves. Let's talk about mm -hmm. like self-isolating. Yeah. Like I I haven't dated in a while and I've been fine with that. But now all I want to do is flip on Tinder. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's not about sex. It's not about anything other than like just this feeling of uh, validation from the outside. So what do you, especially women that are entrepreneurs um, that are living on their own, working on their mm -hmm. own in this complete space of isolation, mm -hmm. what, what would you say to them? Well, I mean, uh, isolate, but don't isolate is what I would say, because isolation does, um, fuel for a lot of us, our self-doubt, our inner critics, our like personal shame stuff. It, if you've got any kind of mental health stuff going on, it's going to make depression or anxiety increase for most folks. Like shame in particular, just like thrives on isolation. And so when I say isolate, but don't isolate, I mean, follow the protocol to keep your body healthy and safe and do extra to connect with the people, right? Like call your old girlfriends, have your, um, have some Tinder online dates if that's what you want to be doing, right? Like, um, we have a good friend here. I mentioned this on my podcast recently, but she was feeling really lonely. She's, she's got a partner far away. She lives on her own. She called us up and she was like, can I just dog sit for you? So I'm not alone in my house. Right. And and that was beautiful for us as parents of small children, like, yes, please take our dog. Um, but like, so she got some company um, and to change up her routine a little bit. And, you know, we got some relief. And so it was like a beautiful little like community container. I have a group of women that I work with who are all solopreneurs and all living on their own right now. And they started a... Um, like a, it's kind of like a meal share. Like they each bulk make something yummy once a week. And then they like, one of them picks it up from the porches and like drops it off at the porches. And so, and then that's turned into like, there's wine in there. There's been bath bombs in there now. <laughs> like, um, so it's a way of like, you know, creating a collective and having a community, something you're belonging to, something you're, you know, you've got some contribution, right? Um, that, that it doesn't have to be in person it may not be ideal, right? Like we would all, I think, prefer to have some in-person contact. But if we have to take it down one notch, let's figure out all the fun ways we can do this stuff, right? Yeah. I think the, the single parent is another component of oh that too. Gosh. I can't yeah. even, I can't even put myself in their shoes or try to envision what that would be like right now. Yeah. And then there are people who are in homes that are unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like on top of being a single parent, there are these people, there are these queer kids that are in homes that mm -hmm. don't understand them and don't accept them and uh, women in abusive situations and men in abusive situations. Like, yeah, it's overwhelming 
to think about like everybody's like safer at home, but it's not always safer at home. No. And, th- and the services are interrupted mm-hmm. right now. Like the, the care for abused women is interrupted right now. Care mm-hmm. for abused children interrupted right now. Yeah. Interrupted. And, um, you know, it's nearly impossible to reach out right, right now in the ways that you might, right? Like you could sneak out, I think about when I was a young queer kid and didn't have ways to connect with people. Like I would like sneak in a visit somewhere on the way to the grocery store or I would, you know, like, like grocery store, but like, you know, like, um, or I'd be like going to the movies and I could like meet up with my friends there. Or I, you know, I think about like people who are trapped in isolation, they could go to the bank and at least get, you know, a respectful conversation with a teller in a day really does change some people's world when they're not in a place where they can leave an abusive situation regularly, or they can't reach out for help. Being able to leave a home for those day-to-day things, dropping the kids off at school and whatever is it is a moment when you could ask for help, or you just can like get grounded and, you know, like respected and seen. Right. And that like little parting of the clouds is so important to survival for people who are not in a safe place. 100%. All right. So we're going to wrap this up. Okay. If that's okay with you. I feel like like we could keep talking forever. I do too. Yeah. Let's just just have like a slumber party on Zoom. Oh my God. Yay. (laughs) That's how we'll beat isolation. We have started doing like movie nights Mm -hmm. and uh, virtual bonfires with some of our friends to just like make it feel kind of normal. Yeah. (laughs) So good. So let's talk about what you, so we're going to talk, blah, blah, blah. We're going to talk, touch base with you again in a couple of months. Okay. As we progress through this, um, through this pandemic. But what are you hoping to see for your business and let's say society as a whole as we move forward? Well, I, I hope we have a vaccine really soon. That's my number one hope, right? Because if we do that and it's accessible for people, then um, we can get back to as much normalcy more quickly, right? Um, and then I can meet with my folks on retreats again. And then we can be, you know, doing workshops with Doyen. And we can be, you know, like we can all be a little bit back back to normal, even though this is going to shift the way we do normal. Um, my biggest craving right now is to be like on a crowded, I mean, looking outside right now, it's so gorgeous. I want to be on a crowded summer patio with a big burger and a beer, right? Like, and just that would be ideal. right? Um, so that's one of my personal goals for the summer, hopefully. (laughs) Um, I had launched some online courses and things and I actually, my, um, Penguin Random House had contacted me about doing a book like in November. I wrote it and got it done on March 11th. I handed in the, um, the final edits and it's supposed to come out next month. And I was supposed to be like promoting it. And I'm like, Hmm, how's that? I don't, I don't know how that's gonna, what we do now with promotion. So I'm curious to see how that takes shape over the summer. Um, like as far as my business stuff, um, and because I'm partnering with this giant organization, right? Like seeing how, you know, this is just me really in my little shop, but like this is a giant organization and to see how they be working with them through this and seeing how they're restructuring things um, in like 
simultaneously I'm restructuring my, my work. Does that make sense? Like should be really interesting. Yeah. How's that for a, for a, um, moving target. <laughs> That's great. Some <summer> goals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, people can find you at HeyGina.com, correct? Yep. And then same social. Um, my social is at love Gina Senna. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And you can listen to the swim podcast on all the yeah. places that you can see your favorite podcast, like lady business podcast. Mm-hmm. Gina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lady Business Podcast. Please make sure to go and like our pages on Facebook and Instagram at Lady Business Pod and head on over to our website, ladybusinesspod.com. And you can always subscribe to us and like us and oh, make sure to review our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and you can always ask Alexa to play the Lady Business Pod on Apple Podcasts.